So there should be a unique and genuine unity among believers in Christ. And this is what Jesus said that would help the world believe in him and believe where he came from through our unity. But are we united as Christians today? Regretfully, I would have to say no. And that's the problem with faith in the world today. There are people that profess believing in the Lord, but they don't look to follow the Lord's teachings. Hello and welcome to another message from the Latter Rain Ministries, where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. Today we'll be talking about helping each other. When we have true faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, there should be fruits or actions or good works that show that. For He said, you will know them by their fruits. And involved with that, of course, is helping each other. We need to help one another in our needs, and many times, help will need to go beyond just praying for people. Prayer alone is not the answer many times. The Lord expects for us to be about His business, which means that we are to do His will on earth. Today's message is inspired on Acts chapter 27, verses 1 to 15. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Holy Lord, hallowed and glorified be your name. Your kingdom come, Lord God. Your will be done on earth as it is done in heaven. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord Jesus Christ forever and ever. Heavenly Father, I praise you for your love and your grace and your mercy, for the salvation that we can find through Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, I pray for your forgiveness. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you may please always remember us in your grace and mercy. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, O Lord, that you help us to understand, Lord God, that your grace and your mercy have a purpose. There's a reason why you have given us these things. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you help us to understand that we need to help each other, especially as family in Christ. Heavenly Father, help us, O Lord, to be able to have a soft heart and an open mind, Lord God, to be able to see what your word says and how we need to implement that in our lives. To you be all the honor and the glory and the praise. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Today's passage can be found in the book of Acts, chapter 27, verses 1 to 15. This is the word of the Lord. And when it was decided that we should sail to Italy, they delivered Paul and some other prisoners to one named Julius, a centurion of the Augustan regiment. So entering a ship of Adramitium, we put to sea, meaning to sail along the coast of Asia. Aristarchus, a Macedonian of Thessalonica, was with us. And the next day we landed at Sidon, and Julius treated Paul kindly and gave him liberty to go to his friends and receive care. When we had put to sea from there, we sailed under the shelter of Cyprus, because the winds were contrary. And when we had sailed over the sea, which is off Cilicia and Pamphylia, we came to Myra, a city of Lycia. There the centurion found an Alexandrian ship sailing to Italy, and he put us on board. When we had sailed slowly many days and arrived with difficulty off Snidus, the wind not permitting us to proceed, we sailed under the shelter of Crete off Salmon. Passing it with difficulty, we came to a place called Fair Havens near the city of Lycia. Now, when much time had been spent and sailing was now dangerous because the fast was already over, Paul advised them, saying, Men, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss. 
not only of the cargo and ship, but also our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion was more persuaded by the helmsman and the owner of the ship than by the things spoken by Paul. And because the harbor was not suitable to winter in, the majority advised to set sail from there also, if by any means they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete opening towards southwest and northwest and winter there. When the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their desire, putting out to sea, they sailed close by Crete. But not long after, a tempestuous headwind arose called Euryclidon. So when the ship was caught and could not head into the wind, we let her drive. There was reference by the writer of Acts in this passage that he was with Paul through his arrest. And we see this throughout because the writer often says we, that we put to sea, and that Aristarchus, a Macedonian of Thessalonica, was with us, which, by the way, appears to be another travel companion, if you will, that was with Paul during his arrest. The writer of the Acts is Luke, the physician, and he was typically with Paul, as we see in this passage and in other writings. We need to keep in mind that this was no pleasure trip. This wasn't a cruise. Paul was arrested and he was being transported with other Roman prisoners to Rome. And this Luke and Aristarchus were voluntarily traveling with him to help and support him through this circumstance. So one thing that should become quite evident is the concept that we should help each other while we go through hardship and difficult circumstances. And this is what we are going to look at today. Throughout the Bible, God teaches that we need to help each other. We cannot be indifferent to other people's circumstances, especially if we are family in Christ. Our duty as followers of Jesus Christ is to help wherever possible. We are to do good to people. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 to 10, it says, for example, And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. And so we need to help each other, especially those that have truly labored in the Lord, those that have kept and, of course, are keeping their faith in Christ, those that are remaining faithful to the Lord genuinely. Let's consider Paul's testimony for a moment. Who was Paul and what was his life like? Paul had converted to the Lord and an incredible change had happened in his life. He used to persecute Christians by putting them in jail and even consenting in their death. But Paul had turned from his erroneous ways because he thought he was serving God through his persecution of the Christians. And he became a servant of Jesus Christ after his encounter with him on the road to Damascus. He quit his job as a high-ranking Jewish leader and official and took on spreading the gospel as his life's work. And while sharing the gospel, he would also keep a secular job, mainly as a tent maker. He was self-supporting most of the time, at least the periods that he was not in prison. Paul was not like many of these people we have today that live lavish or wealthy lifestyles with large church buildings and beautiful houses and mansions and expensive clothing and luxury cars and all at the expense of others. And we need to keep in mind that Paul was not in prison for breaking the law or for doing evil. He was in prison quite a few times because of his faith in Christ, because of his public preaching and teaching of the gospel. He was persecuted for his faith. So Paul had an impeccable testimony of genuine faith, of self-sacrifice, and of unflinching loyalty to the Lord Jesus Christ and to his ministry. This was Paul, and there were others of similar testimony and devotion like this Luke we read about. 
And so if we profess having genuine faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we should help those that also have genuine faith in Jesus Christ. Those that also have a genuine testimony of faithfulness and disinterested service to the Lord. The Bible teaches that we need to be faithful with each other, that ultimately we need to be kind and have love for each other. In Romans chapter 12, it says, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor giving preference to one another not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. So it is quite clear what we should be doing for each other and what our mindset should be. There needs to be love for one another. And if there is love, then there should be consideration. I know that we all have needs in one way or another, but there are times where other people's needs exceed our own in the grand scheme of things. And also, we all have different needs. Our needs may vary. Some people have health needs. Others have needs that involve lack of food, water, and shelter. Others suffer from loneliness or abandonment. Like Paul, for instance, he had both physical health needs and he was deprived of his freedom unjustly. And here is the practical side of helping each other, that as we fulfill the needs that others have, those others may be able to fulfill the needs that we have also by virtue of enduring things together. And this takes us to the point that the scriptures ultimately attempt to drive into our hearts that there needs to be unity. In John chapter 17, we see that the Lord Jesus Christ prayed for this very thing where he said, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. So there should be a unique and genuine unity among believers in Christ. And this is what Jesus said that would help the world believe in him and believe where he came from through our unity. But are we united as Christians today? Regretfully, I would have to say no. And that's the problem with faith in the world today. There are people that profess believing in the Lord, but they don't look to follow the Lord's teachings, let alone take their direction for their lives from God. And there are many that can't even stand each other because of differences in opinion. So what is this thing that is separating us as a group? One thing, sin. There is much sin within the universal church of Christ today. There is the sin of selfishness. And of course, there's a sin of disobedience where most people just do as they feel like and don't cling on to the word of God for their direction. All the different interpretations of the Bible occur because people introduce carnality and worldly views into their perspective. Rather than trying to see what God is actually saying in his word, they're looking to justify their own agenda, their own evil desires, and ultimately satisfy their own sinfulness. This is truly not the work of the Holy Spirit. Neither God nor Jesus Christ, nor least of all, the Holy Spirit suffer from multiple personality disorder. God does not suffer from psychological problems. The Holy Spirit is not going to tell one group one thing 
and another group another thing. Just like this concept that many believers have where they think that there is this universal God and that all religions lead to that same God. That is not what the Bible teaches. Some might say, do you believe that all other religions are wrong? And I would have to say with all due respect, yes, Jesus Christ is the only way, the truth and the life. And no one can come to the Father except through him. He is the only one that died for us on the cross. No one else has done anything even remotely close to the things the Lord Jesus Christ did and gone through the sacrifice he went through voluntarily through the crucifixion. The word of God is very specific on how salvation and eternal life is attained. And that is through complete repentance and conversion from all sins and accepting Jesus Christ as the Lord of their lives. There is no other way. And this is the main problem with God's so-called people and the reason for the division, that most people do not repent from all of their sins. There is no 100% repentance and conversion from all sins. And there's no accepting and yielding to Jesus Christ as their effective and literal Lord. Many people see and or treat the Lord Jesus Christ as something else other than the Lord. And there is no salvation without that. There is no eternal life. And of course, there is no indwelling of the Holy Spirit. If a person is not under the Lordship of Jesus Christ, then they are still dead in their sins and under the power of the Prince of this world. And this is why we have so many different opinions as a group. The Lord is one and he is uniform in his teaching, in his message and in his guidance. And so it is essential to deal with sin conclusively so that a person can ultimately be led by the Lord and fulfill God's will. This is the will of the Father for each of us. In 1 John chapter 4, it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. So what is the Apostle John talking about here? He's talking about the main commandments, that which should be at the center of our lives, just as Jesus reiterated them, as it is written. The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second like it is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. There is nothing greater than this, and this should be at the center of our lives, the foundation of our faith. If this is at the center of people's hearts and intentions, then this would be the main unifier, if you will. This would give us the mind of Christ, the unified direction that would bring singleness to the church of Jesus Christ. And of course, this would lead us to help each other to this love your neighbor as yourself concept. Now, some of you might be saying, and especially considering these times that we live where there is much evil, what if people are trying to take advantage of me? And that will always be a risk because of the sinfulness of people. 
And I would say in the Lord that we need to pray to the Lord for guidance and to try to be as close to his leadership as possible so that he can help us avoid those instances where people try to use us. We need to be sensitive to the direction of the Holy Spirit and we need to pray for God's wisdom so we can be able to see things through God's eyes and not allow ourselves to be deceived. But despite our best efforts, there will be always that moment where we will be swindled, where we will be taken advantage of. And I would have to say, led by the Lord as well, that we need to do all things like if we do them to the Lord so that they count towards eternity. We cannot help people for the sake of people. We need to help each other for the sake of loving the Lord. That should be our motivator, the reason and the intention for why we do everything in this life. This is what the Lord says in Matthew chapter 25. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them from one another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these my brethren, you did it to me. Then he will also say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not take me in. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you? hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you. Then he will answer to them saying, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to the one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. So you see, when we help each other in our needs, not in our desires, wishes, or vanities, we are ultimately serving God. And so it is better for there to be some instances of people taking advantage of us, but continuing to help people as needed than hardening our heart and not helping anyone because of the fear of being taken advantage of. And this is also what the Word of God says in Matthew chapter 5. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? 
Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. God is good. He was good with us when we were his enemies, when we were dead in our sins and under the dark power of Satan. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, into the world, not to condemn the world, but rather to save it through him so that all who would repent from their sins and come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, that they would have eternal life. And so we should aim to be as good as God is. Now, is that easy? Of course not, because we need to subdue our flesh. We need to do away with our carnality and evil desires. And we need to submit to his lordship, to his direction. Our greatest fight is not necessarily with this world or even Satan, although they are critical factors. Our greatest challenge is within us, within ourselves, with the sin that still dwells within our being. The most natural thing for any person to do is to watch out for their own interests, for their own comfort, for their own well-being. What comes natural to us is to just do as we want to do things, to fulfill our will. But that is what will clearly keep us out of heaven and away from everything that God has in store for those that love him. And so we come back to this story with Paul's arrest and his faithful companions, Luke and Aristarchus. We see this completely unselfish act and loyalty in these people where they gave up their own freedom voluntarily to accompany Paul in his time of need and to help him with his physical challenges. They could have easily just said, we will pray for you, our beloved brother Paul, and kept on going with their lives. But that is not what happened. There was an incredible devotion and love that can only be generated by a genuine love for God in their lives. And this is not just an illustration of how much they loved Paul, but ultimately about just how much they love the Lord and how they were willing to go to any length for him. It's truly remarkable to see God's genuine love in another person. When there is love and loyalty like this, how can someone not glorify God and see the wondrous things he can do through each of us if we just let go of our sin and obey him as we need to? The Lord Jesus Christ said this in John chapter 15, as the father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. When we do the Lord's will and do as he guides us through his Holy Spirit and his word, by loving him and loving our neighbor as ourselves, Lord God Almighty sees us as his friends. We are his friends if we do whatever he tells us to do. And his will is for us to help each other in those things that are necessary and essential, both our spiritual needs and physical needs. Faith without good works is dead and we need to have a living and genuine faith if we are to live eternally with the Lord in his kingdom. The Bible teaches us quite clearly that we are not saved by works, by our good deeds, but in the context that we cannot save ourselves. We need God's grace through Jesus Christ to be saved, but we need to understand that true faith, true devotion to the Lord generates good works. 
And these good works involve helping each other however we can. Ephesians chapter 2 says it quite clearly, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works lest anyone should boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Most believers love the fact that we are saved by grace, and of course, what is not to love? God's unmerited mercy through His grace is a wonderful thing, and praise the Lord for that. But in people's quest to seek their own comfort and to justify laziness, they say that good works do not matter anymore. But that is 100% false. When we come to faith in Christ, then good works do matter and do count. God made us for good works. We are saved through faith and grace so we can come back to our original design, just like the scriptures say. We were created for good works and Jesus Christ came to restore that purpose in our lives. So it is impossible to think otherwise. Most people prefer to think that we are saved so we can do whatever we want to do after we receive God's salvation. But that is clearly not what is taught in scripture. We are saved through grace so that we can do the Lord's will. And that is all good works. God's will for our lives is to be concerned only in doing good works. We need to keep this in mind. The Lord Jesus Christ said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. And so it is quite clear, just because a person says that they believe does not mean that they will get into heaven. There is no salvation if a person is not doing the Father's will. That's the bottom line. True faith inspires and generates doing the will of the Father because we have come to love Him. Now think about this. The eternal life that the Bible talks about involves spending eternity with the Lord and doing only His will for all eternity. Now if a person does not look to do the Lord's will here and now because they're not attractive or motivated to do so, why would they even want to be in heaven then? Why do they want to do forever something they don't even like doing here and now for a shorter time? It's like this concept that many people have that all people will go to heaven. Why is God going to force someone to be with him forever in heaven when they don't want to even hear about him here and now? Common sense can be our greatest ally, but of course, if it is working properly. The good works that we are to do as generated by genuine faith involve helping others in their needs, whether they be spiritual needs, physical needs, emotional needs, and so on. This is the example Jesus gave us, and this is what we should be doing if in fact we have decided to follow him and have true faith. I would urge you, look to be about the Father's business as an expression of your love and faith in Christ, or else you will not be allowed to enter the kingdom of heaven. It's not about what you say, it's about where your heart is and what you do for him as a result. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, I praise you, O Lord, for the salvation and grace that we find through your Son, Jesus Christ. I give you thanks, Heavenly Father, that you have given us such a great gift. But help us to understand, Lord God, that that gift has implications. Lord, you created us. You made us for good works. And Lord, because we have fallen in our sin, Lord God, we have, been, we have separated ourselves from that purpose. But Heavenly Father, through your Son, Jesus Christ, You've given us the opportunity again to come back to what we were made for. 
to do those things that please you, Lord God. We are your creation. And as your creation, you created us and made us with a purpose, with a reason, Lord God. Help us to understand that. Help us to understand that true faith does inspire good works, to be able to help each other in our needs, Lord God, in our difficult circumstances, in our hardships, in our pains, Lord God. Help us to understand, Lord God, that we need to love each other as family in Christ and especially help those that selflessly serve you, Lord God, and that seek to do your will. Heavenly Father, I pray, O oh God, that we may be united in your will, in your word, through the guidance of the Holy Spirit. To you be all the honor and the glory and the praise forever and ever. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Please join us again next time as we look into God's Word together. And if you have any questions or just need some prayer, please email us through our website. If you want to listen to other messages, you can go to our website or look for our podcast in the Apple iTunes store under The Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.